Woof. Man. Oh, I miss being in that room together. And, uh, as you guys all know, if you've been, if you've gotten the email this week, if you haven't, uh, please email me, Jason at 608.org and I'll send you the info. But we are planning on regathering this coming Sunday. So this is my last live stream sermon from my, uh, my, uh, back office in my house. Um, and uh, for those of you that are not going to be joining us at church, we realize some people are not comfortable coming back into meeting together, which is totally fine. Uh, just to let you know that we are going to be uh, recording the worship services, the sermon and the, and the worship, uh, pre-recording that for a few weeks because our live streaming equipment at the church is not all has not all come in yet. We're still waiting for the camera. And... Um, and we will post those at 9.30 on the Facebook page and on the YouTube uh, channel as well, the 6.8 YouTube channel. So uh, you'll have that. You'll have – we want to – we're happy to do that, and we want to make that available to you. And then hopefully by maybe late late, Jul- late July or probably early August, we'll, we'll have the uh, live streaming directly from the church set up again, and we can go back to doing that. Uh, but we'll keep you informed. Uh, if you're new and you just logged in and you've never been with us before or you've been with us a few times and but we haven't met yet due to this whole COVID stuff, uh, I really welcome you this morning especially and uh, would love to get to know you. You can email me. Um, information's on the website and uh, would love to hear who you are and how life is for you right now and to be able to pray over you a little bit. Uh, also, uh, a couple more housekeeping items before we get started. I know this might seem redundant to some of you that are uh, regularly logging in, uh, but we do need to uh, phase out the Simple Give, our old giving portal on the website, and we need to move anybody that has a reoccurring um, financial gift going through that to Breeze, which is our church management, management software. And uh, that all the directions for that are on the on the website uh how to do that how to shut the one down and start the other one so uh if you've been giving through that just please move that over uh we also started a text to give um option as well you can just text the word give to 6105909199 and uh follow the directions to get set up it's very easy there's also directions for that on the website you can also give through Venmo at, you know, the little at symbol 68 strip vineyard. And uh, that's another option. Or you can send a check to the church, 68 Vineyard Church, 1116 Lancaster Avenue, Bryn Mawr, 19010. And we will pick those up and get them deposited. Uh, moms and dads, a little bit of some changes for you. We are no longer clicking on that third banner to get uh, our materials for uh uh, every every Sunday for your kids, but Kim will be uh, directly emailing you a Dropbox link every week to uh, download any materials you need for uh, your kids' church at home. So um, we are going to be having kids' church, two classes, a younger class and an older class, uh, and um, I think Kim is going to do a sign up for that every Sunday at the church so that we know if we, you know, if, if they're low numbers, we might just combine those classes or cancel them all together if no kids are coming, things like that. Uh, 
kids are welcome to stay in the worship service as well if you want and and things like that. If you're not on our email list uh, to get those emails or all those contacts, please email admin at 68.org and ask to be put on that and and uh, we'll get you set up. You moms and dads, you should have gotten uh, VBC material distributed to your doorstep this week. If you have not, you know, contact Kim at kids at 68.org and she'll make sure you get covered. Um, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for all the housekeeping stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, gosh, I miss you guys. I am, I am getting excited to be back in the room. I know it's going to be a small crowd. I, I know that, but still I can just see you and that'll be, that'll be great. Um, anyway, let me pray for us as we get started. Father God, we thank you, uh, that you are here. You are present. We feel that we understand that we believe that. And we thank you that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We thank you for all the effort that you have put into pursuing us and, and into pursuing the world. And we want to uh, understand how to walk with you best and how to love people well and how to uh, live this gospel out really well. So we pray for direction and uh, discernment and wisdom as we do that. So today, speak loudly to us, please. We, 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 we long for your words. We long for your direction. Anything that is of Jason, we pray that that would just fall away. And anything that is of you, we pray that that would stick like meat to our bones, Father God. Thank you. Thank you once again. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm a little, a little, uh, emotional. <laughs> I uh, just called up to Hood River, Oregon. Oh, see, I'm going to cry. Dick Best moved away. I know many of you know that. And I just called up to Hood River, Oregon, to the Vineyard Church up there. And I told them to, I left them a message and I emailed them too. And I said, just grab that guy and give him a big hug. Uh, well, as much as you can during this whole COVID thing. I just, you know, miss him. Dick, if you're listening, we really do miss you here and hope you get landed into a great church up there someplace. Anyway, as we come back to together in this building, in the building next week, it's, I think it's apropos to continue this idea of unity. And as a matter of fact, this whole series called All Peoples is largely about unity in an age when we are pulled in so many different directions, so many different worldviews, so many different philosophies or ways of thinking about life. Uh, by the way, there's going to be a lot of scripture in this sermon <laughs> today, but our central passage, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26, that's about, you know, halfway through the New Testament, you know. Um, so if you want to turn there and follow along, it's much more, it's much more, uh, you know, meaty, if you can, if you can follow along and read along with us, you know. So anyway, uh, you know, there's a top 10 list on, uh, the internet, the old interweb out there, uh, about, uh, the top 10 things that people want to see in their pastor. Uh, and they go like this. Uh, number 10 is that he demonstrates evangelism. He or she de- demonstrates evangelism. Nine, they're transparent. Ten, uh, eight, they, they don't yield to critics. Uh, seven, they're joyous. Uh, six, they demonstrate healthy leadership. 
Five, they cast vision. Four, uh, they have a good work ethic. Uh, three, has strong character. Number two, has effective preaching. And number one, loves their congregation. And I would just say that you guys are probably really blessed that I am amazing in all of these areas. <laughs> and uh, now, seriously, uh, it, th- th- that's a big, you know, that's a big call right there, you know. But, uh, you know, we do know that a leader's job is to equip the body for the work of the kingdom in order that we all do it together, right? That we all do it together. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12 and 15 through 16 speaks of this in order that the local church can grow in health, right? It says, he is the one who gives, speaking of Jesus, he is the one who gives these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And then in verse 15, it says, we will hold to the truth and love Now, that's important, holding to the truth in love, becoming more and more every in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church, right? Um, Your head is what guides you, directs you, it gives you your thought, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Verse 16, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love um, now if you look at first corinthians 12 verses 12 through 26 it also speaks of these things it says the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many they form one body so it is with christ for we are all baptized by one spirit. You know, listen to these, these, as I read this, listen to these words of unity, of togetherness, uh, togetherness in purpose, togetherness in thought and things like that. So for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. Now there is the, this thing, all peoples, right? Again, remember, uh, this idea of justice that we are hear so much about right now and, and breaking down, uh, barriers and walls of hostility and things like that. That's, it's right there. The Jews, uh, who were the chosen people of God, but always called to reach out and, and, uh, bring the gospel to all nations. Uh, the Greeks, you know, the uh, the Gentiles, all the other people groups in the world, right? So slave or, Jews are Greek, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. So, you know, this gives us, again, like we said last week, this diverse people together as one unit, one body, drinking of the same spirit. He gives the very necessary nod to the cultural and class differences, which might, you know, sometimes divide a community. And we don't want to focus today on diversity of culture or class. However, let it be said that the scripture calls God's people to look past differences, embracing every tribe and speak. When we look down on or we exclude people due to any of those issues, we are acting outside of the will of God, aren't we? Um, today, I want to look more at the interpersonal relationships and the gifting and uh, and personal holiness which play into uh, unity for the local church. So continuing on in 1 Corinthians 12, this is 
verse 14, it says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if, if, if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the body were an eye, uh, where would this, uh, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You know, I, you guys know that I, Kim and I are backpackers we love to go backpacking and i am sort of like a tent freak you know if i buy i like camping equipment and all that stuff i buy a lot of it and uh when you buy a tent it includes usually it includes poles or stakes uh you know together without you know it comes as a package deal without those things it would really wouldn't act like it as an intended shelter would it right it wouldn't stand up and your salvation in the local church are also a package deal. Relationship with Jesus means relationship with the local church. We have people, you know, that say, uh, oh, I don't need the church. I can walk with Jesus without the church. That's really not true. It just doesn't work that way. Denying that fact doesn't make it, um, you know, untrue. Your, your salvation and spiritual formation intimately are linked to your connection to the local church. It really is. And, uh, you know, that's why we, we discourage church hopping. We say, get, get your feet, both feet into a local church, into a community. And when you open the package of salvation in your life, there are poles, uh, right? And there are stakes. Maybe one, uh, maybe one's church fellowship, one pole and another, uh, pole is the Holy Spirit, and then the stakes are the scriptures that, that hold it down in all this, you know, different kinds of weather. You know, Christianity is a communal life. It can't be lived outside of the diverse body of Christ with our, and, and we all have our unique roles to play in it, don't, don't we? Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that work or that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that, that lacked it. So that there should be, now listen to this. This is verse 25 is the kicker verse. It's like the, the piece de, de resistance, all right? If I said that right, Christine Richardson, you're the only one I know that knows French on here. But anyway, um, it says, verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it, right? Great passage. Anyway, you know, uh, community means that you can't deny your interdependence on the local church. We're not fully independent of the church, right? Neither are we totally dependent on the church, but we are interdependent 
in, in, the, in the local church. We, we give and take, right? Every part honored and important while issues are addressed, uh, you know, in character, integrity, and attitude, and sin, and all these things. If, if one part suffers, all parts suffer. If one part falls, all are hindered in some way. So here, here's, here's an important thing to think about. So personal holiness and spiritual formation of individuals in the church is really important, even in our inner thoughts. If one isn't given over to Jesus 100%, they, are, they really aren't operating as a hand or a foot or an eye in the body 100%, right? You know, Aesop wrote a fable to this end. It said, one day it occurred to the members of the body that they were doing all the work and that the belly was having all the food. So they had a meeting and after a long discussion decided to strike work until the belly consented to take its proper, proper share of the work. So for a day or two, the hands refused to take the food, the mouth refused to receive it, and the teeth had no work to do. But after a day or two, the members began to find that they themselves were not in a very active condition. The hands could hardly move, the mouth was all parched and dry, and while the legs were unable to support the rest. Thus they found that even the belly, in its dull, quiet way, was doing necessary work for the body, and that all must work together, or the body would go to pieces. That's a great, I love Aesop's fables. Anyway, uh, you know, the body doesn't exist. This is super important. The body doesn't exist to meet the needs of the hand, does it? The hand exists to meet the needs of the body, and in so doing the hand gets its own needs met. The hand isn't concerned about the body feeding it, but in its feeding the body, it is fed. You know, the local church doesn't exist to meet our needs. We exist to carry out the work of the head, Christ, right? He is the guiding thought and directive, right? Guiding along, uh, guided along by his thought, and in so doing, personal needs are met in Christ. You know, so the question is, what's your passion? What's your gifting? Everybody gets to play. God's equipped you for your, your role in the body. You know, we are, as leadership, we, are, uh, we had planned to have a big strategic planning meeting, but then COVID hit. We're going to re- reschedule that uh, sometime soon. But we're also getting together very soon to just be praying about where God is leading our church as we come out of this whole thing and start to meet together again. And where does he want to take us? Uh, somebody once said that an organization's success is determined by far more than skill and talent of individuals within it. That ultimate success is a result of the degree to which people transcend their individual ability to create synergy addressing their collective purpose. Success has more to do with how people work in relationship with each other than how perfectly they function individually in their own roles. Unity is the collective cohesiveness, right? Alignment, it's, 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 a, it's a sense of oneness which permeates an organization. By the way, organizations not, are not bad. You know, all, you know that's, the, that's the rhetoric out there right now, that uh, you know, organizations are all evil power structures. Not true. They can be evil power structures, but organizations, when run well and, and, and governed well by good leaders, are actually very a big blessing to our lives. And, and a church is an organization, right? You know, so 
like the sense of oneness which permeates an organization is really important. It's the beginning point and the ultimate power behind any organization's performance, church or otherwise, right? Organizations need unity, right? Many survive and even profit without it, but without it, none come close to their full potential within it, right? To succeed at their best, Unity must be adopted as a pragmatic sort of requirement, an imperative requiring committed attention. And what inhibits organizations from from performing at their best are the dysfunctional dynamics between people within it. So without unity, energies become focused on myopic, conflicting objectives for personal gain and control. And without unity, organizational dynamics don't contribute to, but they detract from and override commitments and concerns and efforts towards ultimate calling. Disunity starts to reveal itself in finger-pointing and gossip, drawing lines and choosing sides with a we-they mentality. In conflict, Objectivity and neutrality is lost, and people become dogmatic, they become judgmental, they become critical and fault-finding and blaming, and they diminish others, and they see them as less than or wrong or uncommitted or selfish or disloyal. Others become the them and are stereotyped and excluded and diminished and marginalized. You know, once a culture of disunity is allowed to thrive in a church, things like gossip or are just a spark and dry brush, right? But in a healthy church with a strong discipleship culture, gossip dies like a spark hitting wet leaves as opposed to dry. You know, Zig Ziglar, you know that name, right? He once said, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. But I would say that differently. I would say you can have everything in life you need if you will just help enough other people get what they need. <clears throat> Excuse me. And getting what you need is the only true step towards truly enjoying what you want. Because when needs replace wants, it's a sad life to live just for once. Let's understand that. When need replaces wants, uh, internal conflict is extinguished. Selfishness is diminished. And a selflessness reigns in a person's life. So more godness equals more goodness, right? More godness equals more goodness. Our central need as people is Jesus, right? Meeting with him in that inner sanctum of life, pursuing his kingdom first and foremost, and all else falls into place. That's Matthew chapter 6, verses 33. Excuse me. I should uh, mute myself when I do that. Uh, If you want your needs met, then go to Jesus while serving humanity outwardly through the church. And we'll all find our needs actually change. All right, or our perceived needs or our felt needs actually change as we become more Christ-like. And this is why your private pursuit of Jesus is influential to the whole body of Christ, even when you don't see that direct correlation. If I'm secretly not pursuing Jesus, but increasingly steeped in private sin or simply indifferent, 
I may ride a wave of talent for a time, but there will be no power in all of that. I'll have a form of godliness, but I'll be denying its power. That's Second Timothy 3, 5. And eventually, in that kind of a life, I'll crash and burn, and my lack of integrity will be exposed. You know, Colossians 3, 15 through 17 speaks of these issues as well, it, instructing us to do everything as a re- representative of Jesus. It says this, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. I mean, that's a good question. Do you, are you peaceful, right? And can you make that direct choice to be, to choose to be peaceful, right? Then it continues, and always be thankful. Wow. Peaceful and thankful, right? Let the word of, words of Christ in all their richness. See, this, this is where the, the thoughts, the words, you know, we have the whole Bible at our fingertips, just super duper important for our unity and our life and our thankfulness and our peace, right? Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and to counsel each other. Sing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Sorry, I've got this cough this morning. Look <clears> at <throat> my allergies. Uh, and whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, and all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. So, we respond to each other out of a proper image of God, of self, and of humanity. And we, we talked about that a lot last, last week in the sermon. And this coming week, we'll talk even more about that. I, I think these are important sermons. Uh, uh, next week is going to be uh, unique, I think, and I, I'm excited about it. But they, but they say life is the sum of all our choices, and that we're urged to make in incremental, incremental right choices all, all throughout life, right? Live in peace. Be thankful. Open yourself to Jesus. Teach. Counsel. Praise. Represent Jesus well. Choose these things, right? Choose these things. And all those little choices will add up to a great life. You know, participate in your spiritual formation. Build something, right? Don't just let life happen. Since if, if you do that, if you just like just walk, go throughout life and don't really work at, at your, your spiritual formation, avoid, the void will be filled and most likely not by anything good. And it, and, and it will set you back in your journey with Christ. Although we do know, I, I, should, I should stop there and say that we do know that even when we aren't following well, walking with Christ well, grace dictates that God still intervenes in protective ways for his children. Your heart might be broken right now. You, you might be searching and looking for something and solidity and answers in this difficult time and all that stuff. And God's grace searches us out and pulls us along and, and Jesus leads us back to himself, and he doesn't ever allow us to fully go down errant paths. You know, he loves his children, and he, he, he's a shepherd of his sheep. <clears throat> Vince Lombardi tells what it takes to make a winning team. Uh, he said, there are lots of coaches with good ball clubs. Do they call them ball clubs anymore? Anyway, good ball clubs who know the fundamentals and have plenty of discipline but still don't win the game. 
Then you come to the third ingredient. If you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. Now, listen to this. This is, this is a man talking about ball play, football players, right? Uh, if you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. You've got to love each other. Now, that's not love in the, you know, touchy-feely sense, like the emotive, just emotive sense. It, that is a commitment, right? That is making decisions to love your brothers, right? Each player, ha- he continues, each player has to be thinking about the next guy and saying to himself, if I don't block that man, Paul's going to get his legs broken. I have to do my job well in order that he can do his. You know, the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the regard that these guys have for each other, not the feeling. Because, you know, I may not like that guy on the field too much, but he's part of my team, and i got to go block so that he didn't get his legs taken out from underneath him, right? It's not about a feeling. This is about choosing to love people well. You know, in the healthy church, each Christian learns to care for others. As we take seriously Jesus' command to love one another, we contribute to a healthy body and a strong witness. Sometimes that's simply to bear with one another in love. Sometimes you just got to put up with somebody a little bit, right? That's Ephesians 4.2 and Colossians 3.13, by the way. Galatians 6, 1 through 5 says, Dear friends, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into or onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody in need, you are only fooling yourself. You are a nobody, it says wow you know how do you think a football team would react to some like you know arrogant prideful superstar who thought they were better than everybody else on the team and they didn't really need them right how can a team operate well if a team member won't take direction won't be corrected uh op, you know right it, like get along with everybody right You work together, follow the playbook or anything like that. How can a team win if members don't show up to practice, right? How how does a church operate if you don't show up? Lots of good things happen when you show up, right? Rob Schaefer always says that, by the way. If you think you're too important to need the team, you are absolutely fooling yourself. Acting as a team member makes you stronger. It really does. Consider yourself as a piece of the puzzle in this local church at 6-8, right? And without your piece, it doesn't complete the image, does it? And it would be a very boring picture if all the pieces were exactly the same. Same color, no definition. You know, that would be really boring. The picture would come to, wouldn't really come together, right? Have you ever put together a puzzle and you get the end of it and you find like one or two pieces missing? Even if just one piece is missing, what do you do with it? You throw the whole puzzle out because missing pieces destroy the image, don't they? Each piece has a unique shape. It's placed in the puzzle and adds to the overall image. And although the pieces are different, 
they are imprinted with a small part of the greater image, a smaller part of Jesus on you, right? In the, in the local church, the larger picture, uh, picture is Christ to the world. But we have missing pieces to our puzzle that God has called us to reach. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? The, the Great Commission. Jesus' last command, our first concern, right? To go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is our greatest call as a church. That is every church's greatest call and every Christian's greatest call. You know, the average annual membership gain in churches in America right now is less than two members for every uh, five churches. <clears throat> Six, eight has typically been uh, far above that, but we also have attrition, people moving away, you know, people getting a job like Dick Best. He had to move to Oregon, right? I, I want to go visit him. That's, that is God's country up there, right? I, I just want to go see those mountains. Um, you know, people sometimes have left our church because they're not unified with our message. They want to preach a different message. And hey, if they, if they, if they can't be unified under the, 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 the shared message of Christ as we see them from the scriptures, then they should go someplace else, right? You know, we pastor a hundred people or, or thousands of people a hundred at a time often, right? Church historian Martin Marty. I'm not sure I like that name, Marty, because he could be called Marty Marty. That's kind of strange. Anyway, Martin Marty says one, one word defines the difference between churches which grow and those that don't, and that is the word invite. Are you, are you invitational, right? But being, you know, invitation is, is also too simple since it, since it really has to come down to uh, the work of relationship, doesn't it? It means for us as members of the body that we, we practice self-denial, that we serve others. Someone once said, church people think about how to get people into the church, and kingdom people think about how to get the church out into the world, and church people worry that the world might change the church, and kingdom people work to see the church change the world. Uh, that's probably true, Right? You know, atrophy is this sense that uh, it's a decrease in size and strength of an organ, like a muscle, caused by either disease or disuse, right? And the corporate church has experienced some atrophy, uh, you know, over the ages in in its kingdom-building purposes sometimes. You know, the consumer church has, in the past, catered to the question, how are you going to meet my needs, right? How are you going to meet my needs, but the kingdom church question is, how do we live out our kingdom call in the Great Commission as a body, right? How do we do that? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, urge us to provoke one another unto love and good works. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of uh, of ourselves together. In other words, come together for church, come together to worship, come together to share the word together, not just on Sunday mornings at 930, but also for community groups and and just dinners and meals and and caring for each other, right? So it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more, much the more as you see the day approaching, right? So the point is that we can't wait for somebody else to do the work, right? We are the somebody else. Acts 2, 46 and 47 say, 
They worship together at the temple each day. I told you there's going to be a lot of uh, scripture in this sermon. They worship together together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. In like, listen, look at this picture, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. You know, have you had somebody over for dinner in a while? I would urge you to do that if you're comfortable during this COVID thing to to uh, be you know be in the same room with each other. Maybe you need to wait to do it, or maybe you just need to do a Zoom meeting with somebody, whatever. But it says, uh, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. There's some, there's a correlation there of their care and their love of each other and their, their, their uh, proximity and their community and, uh, and all that stuff. You know, it's an attractive, powerful image. The church made up of many parts with Christ as the head. The body made up of the hands and feet, fingers and toes, stomach and brain, bones, sinew and skin, all made up of different cells with various form and function, imprinted with the DNA of a, a unique individual, right? Like puzzle pieces fitting together, adding to the larger image, adding daily to grow and, and develop an, a, a mature, healthy body. You, you, you know, you can't see the picture looking at one piece of the puzzle. Likewise, Christ comes into focus to the outside community by way of the local church more than anything else, his body. Each of us imprinted with the DNA of Jesus coming together as a living, concrete, walking, breathing image of him. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, dear friends, have been called to live in freedom. Not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. Amen to that, right? You know, General Eisenhower once rebuked one of his generals for uh, referring to a soldier as just a private. You know, he reminded him that the army could function better uh, without its generals than it could without its foot soldiers. He said, if the war is won, it'll be won by privates. And in the same way, the common, ordinary, one-talent Christian is the backbone of the church. If the kingdom of God is to be built, it'll be the everyday Christian who does it, right? Find a puzzle piece today and keep it in your pocket for this next year, maybe. And whenever you pull out, you know, a handful of change and, and you see it there in your hand, you know, stick it back in your pocket and keep it there and think about your role in this local body, your place here. Ask yourself, how can I meet the needs of others? Where do I fit? How can I better serve the vision that Jesus has left us, the Great Commission call? You know, your role is here. It'll be different than all the others but it will be just as vital as all the others. It may not be a leadership position, but that doesn't matter, right? The Eastern Main Line will be won by the foot soldiers and not the generals, as we love each other well, stepping out into risky faith together. So prayerfully considering that challenge, churches, remember, are full of the well-intentioned, right? People who say they will live the kingdom, but, you know, they get too busy or they shy away when it gets difficult. They get, they're like the dog, you know, chasing a squirrel. Like anything just takes their focus away. The funny thing is, 
that those 10 things that I began with, that top 10 list, are things that we're all called to exhibit in our life. We're all supposed to do evangelism. We're all supposed to be transparent. We're, none of us are to, to yield to critics and, and to, to give up on truth. We're to be joyous. We're, we're to have healthy leadership in our lives. We're to be people of vision, you know, with a good work ethic and a strong character and, ha- and to, to preach the gospel effectively, you know, in our own way, shape, and form to other people, right? And to love all uh, our congregation, our people, our church, and the people around us. Leaders simply equip. That's all they're, they're there to do. They look at the greater image of the local body. I mean, I think about you guys all the time, all the time. You're always on my mind. That's my job as a pastor is I consider you all the time, right? So leaders look at that greater image of the local body and they place the pieces here and there, helping them to find their place. But all those pieces need to engage as listening followers, don't they? They really do. Followers of integrity who engage Jesus personally and regularly are, you know, gaining the power they need to step up and to follow through on this kingdom call of the local body of Christ. Initiative takers, you know, who grow to not have to be led uh, by the hand as they follow Jesus to serve other, you know, those within the church and outside of the church. You know, let's let let each one of us put ourselves in that position of being formed well spiritually, choose to do those things and work together to serve each other and this community and the world well. You know, if you need help in your spiritual growth, remember, email spiritualmentors at 68.org and uh, Rob will get you connected with somebody that can help you uh, define how the Holy Spirit is leading your, your life or give you some fresh tools to walk with Jesus more deeply and things like that. We have 10 people in this church trained just to do that. That's awesome. So uh, utilize those things. Uh, I want to remind you next week, you will get a recorded, if you're staying at home and you're not going to join us at church, you'll get a recorded worship service and um, sermon on Facebook or on the on the 6-8 YouTube channel. And uh, But if you want to come to church uh, and, and you haven't gotten the email about our um, social distancing guidelines, email me at jason at 6-8.org and I'll send it to you. But we're going to be meeting again next week at 9.30 a.m. at the church, and uh, it'll be wonderful to be with with at least some of you next week. Um, amen. Let me pray us out of this, and you can certainly chat for a minute or two on here, and and uh, then we'll close it out. It's been good to preach with you and and to, to talk with you this morning. Father, we thank you that you are, you are here, you are present, that you love your church, that you've, you've given us all the initiatives and the tools and the words that we need and the power we need in your spirit and the power we have in your word to, to be unified and to walk together, uh, to follow you know, the head who is you through this world, to, to walk in, in the ways that you would want us to walk. And so we ask that you would clarify those things, that you would convict us where we're not doing that well or where our thoughts are being drawn away and our attention's being drawn away. Bring us back into um, just real alignment with you as we move forward in the future. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
God bless you guys. It's uh, I've had fun this morning, and I will uh, see some of you at least next week. Amen? Amen. <laughs>